Hey all you fans of TTU, this is your host Ryan Moreland reminding you to go check out Audible.com. With over 180,000 titles to choose from, Audible is definitely the largest audiobook dealer in the world. Go check out all their stuff and listen later in the episode to find out a way to get a free audiobook from Audible.com. Yeah, uh, two-tone, the podcast, it's the livest. Every week we talking about them Tennessee Titans. Better tune in, it's the podcast you want. Hosted by my big homie, Ryan Moreland. Mariota throwing bombs, he don't ever miss. Malcolm Butler hold it down with the pick six. Talking stats and plays, what's happening? Derrick Henry, Dory Jackson, this where we get it cracking. Yeah, Tennessee Titans podcast. Two-tone, hey, tune in. You're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. I'm your host, of course, Ryan Moreland. Uh, with me today, a favorite on the show and a constant guest, Titans writer uh, and Titans personality, Cody Milholland. How are you doing, Cody? Hey, man, it's good to be back. I ain't talked no Titans in a while, so I'm very excited to do that. I've been itching to for a while now. Absolutely. Excited to get you on the show and... For anybody who listened last week or listens to Cody's show, which you can find on YouTube at Titanstown on YouTube, he issued a challenge to me, and the challenge being if I were John Robinson, if they hired me in 2016 rather than John Robinson, what would I have done differently? And you can go check out Cody's on his page. Uh, He started it. I did 2016 last week uh, as well as Cody did. Today we're going to do 2017 together on this show right here on Two-Tone Uncensored. And then we're going to do 2018 next week uh, on Cody's show. So really looking forward to that. We do have a couple things to get into before we jump heavy into the uh, the If We Were John Robinson challenge. Uh, first, talk about these voluntary workouts. Um, a lot of good things coming out. A lot of guys have shown up. Of course, Delaney Walker, always impressive, always. I mean, it's like every offseason, we get to hear how awesome Delaney Walker is all over again. He's out there making plays, diving for footballs, even in non-contact drills. Uh, Absolutely the ultimate professional. Drell Casey, Kevin Byard, Corey Davis, as we were talking about before the show, all receiving praise uh, for the workouts that they've put in so far. This feels to me... Like, I was excited going into last year. I knew we had something special. But this, to me, feels a little different. It feels a little better. It feels like we have a bigger core of veterans to lean on that are solid players as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Mike Rabel talked about Delaney Walker. He said he knew from playing against him that Delaney comes out and he works like works out like this all the time. So he wasn't surprised about it. For me, not to bring up too much fantasy football talk, not this time of year, but I always get nervous when you look at players like Larry Fitzgerald. These guys are getting older, but Delaney Walker hasn't scared me off. I would still take him in that route. Corey Davis, I'm really excited about hearing the praise from him. Of course, he dealt with injuries last year. Didn't really get to get onto the field until uh, later on in the year. Plus, he had to learn and develop chemistry Marcus Mariota, and he's still he still did decent in the Raiders game. He did good in the L.A. Rams game. Had a huge game in the playoffs. So I'm excited to see that year carry over with him having a full offseason under his belt, getting to work with Mariota. I'm excited to see what he's going to do this year. That is probably one of the most things I'm looking forward to this coming year. Absolutely. And we'll talk about Corey Davis later, obviously, covering uh, the 2017 draft when we get there. But 
He really shined in that last game. You know, that last game against the Patriots, he was pretty much the only thing to take away positively for the Tennessee Titans. Two monster catches for touchdowns. Uh, is only two touchdowns of the season. And, and really looked impressive. Both of them were 50-50 balls. Both of them he went up and got and beat his defender. Uh, he really looked good throughout that game, to be honest. And it is. It's, it's exciting because, we you know, the injury, he missed a good amount of time during the season. He never felt like he was, like, all the way there for a large part of the season. And then he came out and he really impressed in the playoffs. Uh, I'm really excited about that. Bayard's really starting to become a face in this franchise, which is exciting you know, I feel like the Titans have pretty consistently over the years had really good safeties, and it's been a while since that's been the case, and, and now we're seeing Byard really cement himself as one of the best safeties in the league. Of course, Delaney Walker and Jarrell Casey, you just can't say enough as Titans fans. You know, they were with us through the bad times, the worst of times, and were nothing but constant and consummate professionals, and, and they continue to be those kind of players. Um, and really are the the locker room looks to these two guys and for good reason Uh, one key note that I wanted to talk about Kevin Dodd you know ever since this guy's been drafted it has been a roller coaster Cody as you know you know his production out of college especially his senior season was unreal he came in there was the injury you know is he working as hard as he should and a lot of questions about you know what kind of character this guy has and now he's a no-show for voluntary workouts. So what does this mean to you? Yeah, and as far as I've heard, he hasn't given a reason. Or, uh, you know, such as Derek Henry last year, he was back at Alabama trying to get his degree and finish up with college. As far as I know, I haven't heard him give a reason for why he's not there. But it's telling me that his time on this roster is just about come to an end. I don't expect him to be there at the start of 2018 season. It was a healthy scratch to the back half of last year. I just... Uh, there's more depth at the competi- at the position, and I just don't see any way of him making it at this point. I'm starting to agree. You know, I, everybody got hard on him last year, and I was like, he's a young man. Give him time. You know, you never know. He could blossom into something. But it just really seems like a lack of effort, a lack of trying. You know, they always talk about you have to get those guys that love the game of football. Kevin Dodd doesn't seem like that kind of guy that loves the game of football. And he doesn't seem like he has put his best foot forward or really tried hard to get on the field and to improve his game. And I think the talent is there. I think that's unquestionable. I just, I just don't think the effort is there. And, you know, talent's only going to get you so far, especially at this level where every player on the field is very talented. Well, Brian Arakpo isn't there either. And, you know, Brian Arakpo has kind of taken Kevin Dodd under his wing. He might be down in Texas cooking uh... – cooking uh, cupcakes with him. <laughs> <laughs> that could be the case. <laughs> and Michael Griffin, too. But uh, for real, that that could be a real possibility. That could be something we don't know. You know, Brian Arakpo has made it open in the media in the past that uh, Kevin Dodd is his guy. He's kind of taking him under his wing. He does stick up for him. He pushed for him to get playing time with the old coaching staff. So that could be a possibility that they're down there working out together. I, I don't know it for sure, but... That could be a real possibility. Absolutely. You know, you're 100% right. It, it's been, Iraq has been very public about his relationship uh, with Kevin Dodd, and that's definitely a distinct possibility, but it definitely doesn't look good for a young man that has a lot of questions about him so far in a very short career. 
you know, it definitely doesn't look good for him that he's not there at these voluntary workouts, and it's something that he has to know. Uh, one more note I wanted to make was, obviously right now we're setting at our 90-man roster. Uh, we won't have to cut down until right before the season to the 53-man roster. But setting right now in our 90-man roster, we have 28 rookies, which is a very staggeringly high number. And I, we talked about it before the show, and, and I think you hit it on the head. I really didn't think about it until you said it. And then I was like, oh, he's obviously right here. So I'll let you uh, <laughs> give your reasoning to why we have so many rookies in this in this 90-man roster. Well, I mean, it's simple. We're hoping that some of these guys can come in and, and adjust to the competition, make the roster, make a difference on the team. They're a much cheaper option than veteran players. And because that salary cap number carries over what you have left available to the next year, and Taylor Lewan and Marcus Mariota are getting ready to break the bank you can tell by you can tell by Marcus Mariota by what Jimmy Garoppolo just got over there in San Francisco absolutely big contracts important players that we need to keep you know this isn't like one of those situations where it's a really good player but the price is going to be too much like you have to keep Marcus you have to keep Taylor Lewan these are people that you really want in your future you know a, a tackle uh, book and left tackle for that matter and a young quarterback that shows a lot of promise you want these two guys on the team for a long time and they're going to be pricey you know they're going to be expensive what was it this offseason we saw was it three or four highest paid quarterbacks of all time in just one offseason it seemed like every you know couple of weeks someone else would take the title and I'm sure that Marcus is going to be up there in that range especially if he has a good year this year uh, and if they try to get the contract done before then, I think is a smart move. But if they don't, if he has a really great year this year, he's probably going to be the highest paid quarterback in the league after, uh, you know, whenever they get that contract done. So, and it's not like Taylor Lewan's going to be cheap. The career that this young man's had, you know, constantly great at the left tackle position, which is obviously one of the most important on the field, in my opinion, the third most important outside of edge rusher and obviously quarterback. You know, you need a left tackle that can keep your quarterback upright, and Taylor Wan is one of the best in the league at it, especially if you take age into account. So Yeah, definitely you know, top three. Oh, uh, yeah, 100% agree. And, and, and that's a great point. We bring in so many rookies because it's cheap. We know we have big contracts coming up. And we've done a really good job. John Robinson, uh, who we're going to talk about a lot later, has done a really good job of never getting close to broke. You know, so many teams get all of that money, all this cap room, and then they spend themselves to the poorhouse immediately. They just throw cash all in one or two free agent markets, and then it's over. I feel like we have done a very good job at staying near the top of having the most cash, waiting for the perfect window, and I think you're going to see John Robinson strike and spend a lot of money at a certain point, uh, but I don't think you're ever going to see him spend himself broke. He knows... That if you spend yourself broke, you have a shot at a Super Bowl title. If you manage your growth effectively, you have a shot at a dynasty. And I and John Robinson obviously knows that coming from, you know, the current dynasty in NFL. Well, obviously the New England Patriots. So uh, he's done a really great job of that. I think that's why you're seeing so many rookies. They're giving guys a shot uh, to make the field, to make the team. We got it seems like a hundred undrafted free agents this year, Cody. And, and I think a lot of these guys, uh, there's some guys in there that I've been really looking at that I think are going to add value to the team. And, and I'm going to uh, cover that in the very next show that we do, which would be episode 90. 
uh, of this show, I'm going to get in and talk about some of these undrafted free agents because there's a couple guys in there that have caught my eye. Uh, but you're absolutely right. We have big contracts coming up. Rookies are cheap, and, and that's why we're going after it this way. That's why we have so many undrafted free agents and rookies in this uh, 90-man roster. Yeah, it's going to be fun watching these guys in the preseason. A lot of competition on this roster. We signed some really, I don't want to call them low-end wide receivers out of free agency, but we kind of did. Michael Caponero and uh, that Nick guy from the Falcons. I can't even think of his last name right off the top of my head. I think it's, is it Williams? I think you're right. But uh, they haven't had a lot of production in the league, so we got some undrafted free agent rookie wide receivers who I believe are going to be able to compete with them for a roster spot. I just hope we didn't put any guaranteed money into those contracts. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I agree with you. And, I, and I, those contracts, I'm sure, knowing John Robinson, are very team-friendly, very incentive-driven. Um, but moving on from voluntary workouts, at least right now, the overall view, in my opinion, it looks really good. You know, there's a couple blemishes here with no Dodd showing up. Uh, Arakpo not being there, although I'm not really worried about Arakpo's work ethic. Uh, a little blemishes, but overall, I'm I'm very excited. I think this football team's headed in a very good direction. I think you know the combination of having uh, guys like Kerry Combs come in and, and Matt Lafleur, and obviously Mike Vrabel uh, and Dan Pease. I really think we have a very good structure in our front office, very good coaching staff, and I think this is going to be a heck of a football team going into 2018. How do you feel about it? Oh, man, you mentioned Kerry Coombs. I've seen some videos on Twitter from Jim Watt. That guy is a ball of energy. He's a little up there in age, but, man, he's out there yelling and jumping around and running around like a young man. I don't know if I can keep up with him, to be honest with you. <laughs> I know what the videos you're talking about, and it's exciting because this guy did it at the high school level so very well, which a lot of people don't know, um, and then did it at the college level where he got a lot of publicity for it and got – Ohio State has become defensive back you. I mean, it has, especially cornerback you, with how many guys have come out, and, that, and that's Kerry Coombs is doing. It's exciting to have him work with these young guys, and, and we have a couple of really good veterans in there, but we have a lot of young guys that I think have a lot of promise. You know, you talk about Kevin Byard, Dory Jackson. I think LaShawn Sims has a bright future ahead of him, even though I know a lot of you would disagree. I, I really like Sims. And Coombs is the guy that's going to get the most out of that talent. We talked about it when it happened, Cody. is by far my favorite hiring uh, was Coombs uh, for this coaching staff. I, I gave a lot of A's and A-minuses and B-pluses out. He was the only coach that I gave an A-plus to because I absolutely think it's the exact right hiring. Um, it's who I wanted, and I didn't even know it because I didn't think you'd get him out of college football. Uh, <laughs> but it happened, and, and we got the perfect hiring. But I'm very excited Seeing these videos of them working with these guys, really excited to see what he does. But uh, let's go ahead and jump in here and, and to this. So for those who haven't heard uh, Cody's show on Titantown or my last show uh, on TTU, Cody came up with this idea, what, hap- what would happen and what would the team be like if we were hired instead of John Robinson in 2016? So as I said earlier on his show, he did 2016 on my show. Last week, I did 2016, and now together we're going to do 2017 here on TTU, and then we're going to do 2018 on uh, Titan Town on YouTube on uh, Cody's show. 
Um, so it was fun. It was really fun, and, and he challenged me to do this, and I was really excited about it. Had a lot of fun doing 2016. So now we're heading into 2017 here, Cody. And I'm going to let you take the reins here, uh, since this is your brainchild, and, and kind of run us through free agents and, and tell us what you would do, and I'll, I'll give you my opinion as we go on. So so take away. All right. First, I want to give a huge shout-out to you guys, especially the people on YouTube. I was expecting to get at least three or four comments of people saying, oh, man, you're stupid. I can't believe you don't like John Robinson. I can't believe that you hate John Robinson. I was so expecting that, and nobody did it. This is just a little fun project. This time of year is kind of hard to um, it's kind of hard to think up content, especially in the summertime, especially with this new coaching staff not letting media in for for us to get topics to talk about. So, if you guys have any topics you want us to talk about, get us on Twitter at Mister Milholland at the Ryan Moreland. Quick plug there. You like that? Man, I just you get better every day, Cody. I mean, that was that was just amazing. <laughs> but um carrying over from 2016 my, the team that i built still still has a few needs we need a right tackle we still need a wide receiver and we need some depth at the edge rusher position the 2016 or 2015 roster was very terrible there's a lot of holes to fill. so starting out i would have re-signed byron bell again you know he came in he was my starter in 2016 i had to have him at right tackle uh carl klug is a guy i would re-sign and Damian Stafford, that one might surprise a few few people, but Damian, Damian Stafford was so much fun to watch. He's kind of a poor man's uh, Jonathan Cyprian, very hard-hitting, downhill safety. Not very good in coverage, but he did embody a team-first uh, mentality to me from what I could see on the field because there were several plays just uh, off the top of my head going back and thinking about how this guy played where I could see him take out two blockers and let another player get the running back or so forth, so on like that. So he was very fun to watch. I think he's a cheaper option than Jonathan Cyprian with about the same play style. He just doesn't have the size that Jonathan Cyprian has. But those, so far, those is who I would re-sign. Yeah, I don't have anything different here. I was a big fan of Damian Stafford. I've said it on the show before. And I didn't think that Cyprian was that much of an upgrade. I think you got... I will say this. Cyprian is better against the run, although I think Damian Stafford is very solid against the run. Um, the difference being is I think that Stafford is better in coverage than Cyprian is. Cyprian's a one-trick pony. He's going to play in the box. He's going to disrupt uh, things in a running game, but he's not going to be helpful in the passing game. Uh, I think Stafford has shown glimpses of being very good in, in the passing game. Or not very good, but solid in the passing game. Um, and is obviously very good against the run. So, yeah, I was I was... Kind of upset in real life when to see him go. I like Stafford. I thought he should be a part of this team for a while, and I didn't think Cyprian was that big of an upgrade. So I 100% agree with you so far. Okay, as far as the people I would let walk, I would have let DGB walk. You know, I couldn't get any trade offers for him. Nothing that I liked. Felt like um, he just wasn't developing. It just wasn't working out. I would have let him walk. Kendall Wright. Uh, I really didn't want to let him go. He was very emotional when he left. The team really wanted him. Depending on the pay, I might have kept him, but I don't think he would have stayed for very cheap. But I have the coaches in my ear telling me that, you know, he's not working out. He can't do what we're asking him to do. So, overall, I would have let him walk. Jason McCourty, I would have let him walk. I feel like, at this point, I would have felt like age is starting to get the best of him. Uh, he was on a downhill slide. He was making too much money. He didn't want to pay, take a pay cut. So, like John Robinson, I also would have let him go. And Rashad Johnson, I would have let go as well because it is time to transition into the Kevin Byard era. 
right, so for me, uh, starting with Rashad Johnson, he he wasn't on my roster to begin with because I didn't sign him in 2016. Now you move on to uh, Wright. I, I would have tried. I really would have tried a lot to keep Wright on the on the team with the franchise because he do, he shows glimpses of being fantastic sometimes. Um, you know, but the work ethic's a big deal. There's a lot of issues with his game. So it would have been hard, likely gone. DGB, like I said in the last show, I would have been trying to trade him. Now, anybody who tells you, and Cody, you'll agree with me here, anybody who tells you that they thought that Dennis Kelly trade at first was good is a liar. Like, everybody hated that trade. Yeah, exactly. and, and then in hindsight, it was a great trade. But I would have been working on a trade um, for DGB. Now, if I couldn't have got it by this point, yeah, he's gone. I would have cut him and just let him walk. Jason McCourty, as much as I love Jason McCourty and, and love what he has done for this franchise and all the work he has put in, and you know another guy that's just every year consistently professional, it, it would have been hard to keep him. You know the, the amount of money that he wanted, I, I definitely would have kept him. Now he goes on to the Browns, obviously, and has a pretty damn good season. Uh, but yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like like we said, and I guess we should mention this now. This isn't based off of you know what we would do now because obviously it'd be easy to draft if you knew exactly how every guy was going to turn out. It'd be easy in free agency if you knew how every guy was going to pan out. This is based off of with no hindsight what we would have done at the time. And at the time, there's no way I would have kept McCourty around. You know, I, they, I couldn't have justified keeping McCourty around. So I, I would have done. You know, Stafford wouldn't have been on my team already. Or sorry, not Stafford. Um. Uh, Johnson wouldn't have been on my team, as I said in the last video. But outside of that, we're pretty much in line. I would have really tried with Wright, though. I would have tried to keep him on the team within reason. You know, I'm not going to pay him, you know, maybe as much as he wanted to be paid. But I would have tried to keep him on the team, but I doubt it would have happened anyway. And I think um, that was more of a Mike Malarkey decision. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I don't think that – I don't think Kendall Wright was happy. Um, and, and that is going to play a huge factor in if he stays or not. But yeah, out, outside of Johnson, who wasn't on my team to begin with, um, yeah, pretty much the same road there. All right, so now we'll get into the, the fun part, talking about some players we would have brought in, whether they were actually did get brought in or if it's someone I would have targeted. Anyway, the first one on my list is Micah Hyde. This guy can play cornerback nickelback strong safety free safety he's really like a good swiss army knife that you can have in the secondary i really wanted him we didn't end up getting him in real life so that would give my team a really good rotation for the secondary i could use him especially having damian stafford and uh, kevin byard in the backfield at safety i could put him at safety if i need him there i could bring him down let him play cornerback there's a lot of different things that i could do with this guy depending on the down and distance I honestly would probably steer clear of Micah Hyde. I've already built a really good secondary. I have a really solid cornerback core, and I'm going to add to that maybe later in depth-wise, but for the price that he is and who I have right now, it just doesn't make sense for me to go after Micah Hyde. And next is a guy who actually ended up on the Titans, and he was a guy that I really wanted. You could probably dig back so far somewhere on me and see that I wanted him. That was Logan Ryan. I was a big fan of him coming from the Patriots liked his size I liked how he could play on the inside or the outside so I was really high on Logan Ryan especially the other cornerbacks who were going this time last year or this time in 2017 in free agency he just seemed like a much better value than what the other guys was he's not going to break the bank but he is going to come in and give you solid production just like he's done for us so far 
Yeah, another one where I'm going to be in agreement with you. Um, I really wanted to go after this guy and, and get him, and we did get Ryan, and it, it has been a, a very good move for us so far, and, and you know, definitely one that I was a big fan of and was hoping would happen. Hey, all you Titans fans, this is Ryan from Two-Tone Uncensored telling you about Audible.com, the best place to find audiobooks, podcasts, and all the like. Over 180,000 selections to choose from, including selections like interviews with famous Houston Oilers like Warren Moon and Elvin Bethay. You can go on there and find them. Highly recommend it. And right now you can get a free audiobook and free 30-day trial by going to www.audibletrial.com slash TTU to get this great deal. Uh, and if you want to, you can go on, get the free audiobook, and then end your trial. And then you just get a free audiobook. So definitely check it out. Again, that is www.audibletrial.com slash TTU. All right. Now Marcus Mariota, he still needs a number one wide receiver. And this is where we're going to spend some big money. And we're going to go get Ashlon Jeffrey, Alshon Jeffrey. True bona fide number one wide receiver in the league. He just has problems staying healthy. He ended up being signed by the Eagles for only $9.5 million, which is pretty cheap for a number one wide receiver when you consider others make 13 14 even $15 million a year. $16 million, I think, is what Antonio Brown makes, but pretty cheap for a true number one receiver. I'm not as big on this one. Jeffrey at the time scared me because of the injuries. Uh, you know, hindsight showing that that wasn't as big of an issue, but that scared me a lot at the time. I wasn't huge on him as as a player, so this is not a move I would have made, but one I definitely was hoping would be made um, and ended up going, unfortunately, to a division rival, and that's Calias Campbell. I, I really like this guy. Very disruptive pass rusher. So far has been a monster for Jacksonville, um, which you know obviously sucks for us, but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But this is a guy I was hoping to target. If I, we were going to get one of the bigger named guys, this is the guy that I wanted. You know, I, I think he would have been really helped out our pass rush a lot and made our defense, you know, a good bit better just by having him on the field. You know, I definitely think that we could have upgraded a wide receiver, but Jeffrey wasn't the guy, and it really wasn't that great of a, a wide receiver free agency. So I probably would have skipped out and tried to get something in the draft. Okay, I listened to your show last week, and our offensive line is pretty well the same, except for you went with Laramie Tunsil to be your right tackle, I believe, is where you was going to plug and play him. I ended up having Byron Bell carry over to start that spot, but other than that, we both have Ben Jones, Kalichi Asamoah, uh, Josh Klein, and Taylor Lewan. but I need to solidify my offensive line. So I went out and signed Ricky Wagner from the Baltimore Ravens instead of letting him go to the Detroit Lions, if I could have, of course. But between Alshon Jeffrey, Micah Hyde, and Ricky Wagner, that is a lot of money being spent. But you look at what the L.A. Rams are doing. When you got a quarterback on a rookie deal, you can afford to spend money like that. So I'm just kind of throwing spitballs at the wall, hoping something sticks. And once it's time to re-sign Marcus Mariota, I'm hoping that he can be the kind of quarterback that makes everyone else around him even better. And hopefully some of these guys can kind of come in, find their place, uh, solidify a role, and um, I can keep carrying over with what I'm building so far. There's one wide receiver I would have considered at the time, for sure, because of how cheap he was going to be. But in hindsight, it definitely doesn't look good. And that's Michael Floyd who went you know, from the New England Patriots, obviously had the issues with the DUI and all of that. So in hindsight, it doesn't look as good, but I was really 
I really liked him for the price. <laughs> One guy that I think would be funny at least to look at that was a free agent then also would have been Kenny Britt. You know, obviously started his career with the Titans. And Kenny Britt was just, where we drafted him, he was never going to be that guy. But he has been a solid, you know, low-end second, third wide receiver in the league. Just the amount of potential we thought he had has never been there. Right, I also considered him, but I kind of figured the way that things ended with him, he wouldn't have never come back. But I also have a few, I have a few depth signings, and that is Brian Quick, kind of a guy who was a former number one overall pick by the LA Rams. Had some productive years there, his first couple of years in the league, but then he ended up getting hurt. He's never been the same since, or he just haven't had a has a chance to prove himself. But uh, just this is just a good depth signing because, of course, we did let two wide receivers walk. Uh, we don't have much left on the roster. And I also went ahead and signed John Bostic, inside linebacker, just for depth as well, just some more depth at the position. And that's how my free agency rounds out. Um, Bostic was also on my list of a guy that I would target um, for depth. So on there, we definitely agree. I, I thought that would have been a good move for the Titans. And after doing some research, if the trade opportunity presented itself to trade a Next year, seventh-round pick for David King. After doing some research, I would have went ahead and made that deal. Uh, depending on the trade and like in the trade value, I probably would have made the same deal. You know, King is a guy that uh, definitely caught my eye, so I, I'm, I probably would have made the same deal at the time. All right, moving on to the draft. In round one, in my draft, I only have one first-round pick because I traded up with the Cowboys to number four overall to select a player who was not Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott would probably be a Jaguar if I was general manager. But um, I'm not going to spoil who I picked. But the way I kind of did the trade was I kind of considered the L.A. Rams trading up from 15 to 1 to select a quarterback. Of course, they're going to mortgage our future. From us trading from 15 to 4, of course, it's going to cost a lot, but not quite as much as what it costed to get to 1. So we kept the L.A. Rams' first-round pick. They got our first-round pick at 18. And at number 5 overall, there was only one good edge rusher. Well, only one first-round considerable edge rusher left on the board, and I took Derek Barnett out of Tennessee. And this is a gamble here because Derek Barnett is kind of like Kevin Dodd. He doesn't really fit our system, but he's a much better talent than Kevin Dodd, much better technique, more years of production, quicker off the line than what Kevin Dodd is. So maybe he would have worked out in our system. Maybe he wouldn't. That's that's uh, that's up, definitely up for debate. But that is a gamble pick there, just so you know. Yeah, I, I, Barnett's definitely someone that I thought about because I really liked him coming out of this draft, uh, even before seeing his rookie production. I, you know, I was a fan of his, but I stayed with that that draft pick and saw who went there and saw who was left on the board. And for me, it'd be Marshawn Lattimore. I was really big on Lattimore coming out. I thought that it was almost criminal that he dropped as far as he did. So I would have stayed where we were, picked up Lattimore, had an amazing rookie season. You know, obviously defensive rookie of the year. And you know, as much as I do like Corey Davis who is obviously who we picked here, I think that Lattimore, at least so far, easily has been the better player. So I feel like I got one up on John Robinson here, but I thought that it was criminal he dropped as far as he did, and we could get a really great player here. Yeah, I consider Lattimore there at 5-2, but because, well, I guess I'm going to spoil it now. (laughs) Because I took Jalen Ramsey in last year's draft, I didn't take him. But I did honestly consider it. Lattimore was my, in this draft was my favorite player, not named Miles Garrett. So 
I definitely considered him there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Lattimore, I really like Lattimore coming out. And I give uh, Tyler uh, Musson, who comes on the show, a lot of hard time all the time because he's a, an Ohio State fan. But Lattimore was an unreal talent. It was clear there, even though he was a one-year starter. It was clear that he had the talent there, the footwork, the body, the the way he moves, the way he uses his eyes. He was a true weapon, and it showed. You know, in his first year, he was dominant at, at the position. So uh, you get a guy that's going to upgrade the secondary, which at this point was still, even with my draft in um, 2016, it's still a worry. So I figured, why not go get a guy that is going to be in my opinion, even at the time, a very a potential to be a very, very, very high end starter for most of his career. Who'd you have at eighteen? I don't have a pick at eighteen. I traded that that one's to the Cowboys on my draft. All right, eighteen was hard because I thought about trading back a lot because there wasn't a lot of people that I was in love with at eighteen. And after getting Lattimore, it doesn't make much sense to go after Dory Jackson, who I did like, admittedly at the time. It just doesn't make much sense to go after a Dory Jackson. But I ended up going after with someone that I thought was a really talented player and I thought had a really bright future ahead of them. And I went with O.J. Howard, the tight end out of Alabama. He was by far, or not by far, but definitely the pick for the best tight end in this draft. He obviously went first in this draft last year. He had some limited use, but when he was on the field, he was very effective. He averaged 16.6 yards per catch. Six touchdowns on only 26 catches. But if you compare him and Adoree Jackson, it's hard because they two played two different positions. But I'd say it's very close. I'd give Adoree the slight edge, in my opinion. But I could easily see how someone would give Howard the edge at, so far. Um, and I think Howard has the potential to have a very still solid career ahead of him. So probably the position I would have went... Find my replacement for Delaney Walker, who obviously in real life the Titans did later in this draft. But like I said, there wasn't really uh, players that blew me away at the end of this first round that I thought were in uh, a position of need, or at least a position of use. So I really considered trading back, but uh, then I decided I'll just go with O.J. Howard. I I like that pick, especially with Delaney Walker still out there showing up these youngsters every day. Uh, O.J. Howard was a good blocker and a good re- good receiver as well when he got his opportunity in college. They didn't really feature him there at Alabama, but there there have been a lot of fun things you could have done with Delaney Walker and Howard on the field at the same time, especially with, well, we ain't got Derrick Henry. I don't anyway. <laughs> with Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray in the backfield. But moving on, we didn't have a second-round pick. You didn't have one either on yours, did you? You didn't pull nothing to get into the second round, did you? No, I did not. One point that I wanted to make real quick is, like, as much as I love Johnu Smith, and I do, not a good blocker. Uh, Delaney Walker, not a great blocker. He is a solid blocker, but not a great blocker. Since we lost Krev Stevens, we really haven't had a great blocker, and I think O.J. Ho- Howard is a great blocker, so another dimension he adds to the game if we were to draft him. Yeah, exactly right. In round three, I went out and got another weapon for Marcus Mario, and I can't believe this guy was still on the board. I would have thought he would have went... Uh, early to mid-second round, and that's Chris Godwin. He had a big game against Ohio State. He's decent size. I think he's about six foot one, six foot two. He has really good speed, runs nice routes. Uh, I would have took and taken him over Taewon Taylor, that's for sure. And that's at 72 overall. But uh, Chris Godwin is who I would have took there for Marcus Mariota. Let him and Rashard Matthews compete for that second wide receiver spot across from Alshon Jeffrey. 
I like that pick. Uh, I went a different direction here, mainly because this guy I got to see in person a lot. Um, Terrell Basham, defensive end out of Ohio. Obviously, anybody who listens to the show a lot will know that uh, I attend Ohio University. I, you know, I had class with this guy. Watched him play a lot of football, and he's unbelievably disruptive. And he was in college, and and I really liked him heading into the next level. I thought he even fared better given the way that the NFL scheme is played, uh, considering his playing style. Uh, I liked him a lot, and I thought we could still get better in the front seven. Um, he played a rotational role for the Colts in 2017, had two sacks and a forced fumble. If you compare him and Taewon Taylor, like I was saying earlier, with the same thing with Adoree, is they pretty close. You know, It's hard to go different positions here. I would still give Taylor a slight advantage, but I think... I think Basham has a very bright future ahead of him. I really like the kid. I really liked him coming out, and I was hoping that's who we would take here. Yeah, I like that pick because we definitely needed some more depth at the position during that year. Um, at number 100 overall, the pick where we originally took Johnu Smith, I took David Sharp. He's an offensive guard or offensive tackle and offensive guard. He played both there at the University of Florida. Taking him, I think he fits better as a guard in the NFL, but like I said, he could play both taking him for his versatility and also because uh, I got a good offensive line up front now, but I need some depth and um, I need some guys with some upsides who could uh, step up, maybe develop. So, cause I'm paying a lot of money for the offensive line. So I might have to let somebody walk later on in the future. So I need somebody to develop behind them. I like that pick. I went with um, Nazair Jones, defensive tackle out of North Carolina. I've gone a whole defense here so far outside of OJ Howard. But I wanted that depth up front. I think Jones has a lot of upside. I really liked him coming out of this draft class. I thought he was being overlooked big time. In 2017, had two sacks, an interception, a fumble recovery, uh, and emotionally in a mostly rotational role. Um, so another one that I would consider close to call for what I did and what John Robinson did. But I would give Nazir Jones uh, the slight advantage in this one. So. But I, I really like this kid, and I thought he had a lot of potential. I still think he does um, to be very good, and it gets us some more depth in that defensive line. Yeah, he's also a guy who I thought would have went earlier in this draft than what he did. Uh, you didn't do anything to jump back into round four, did you? I did not. Okay, fun fact. Uh, J-Rob has never had a round four pick in any of the drafts that he's ever been to, and I didn't even notice that until I started doing the research to do this little mini-series. In round five, I went and got Elijah Qualls, uh, another guy who kind of fell in this draft. He had some injury issues. Uh, he's not overly uh, good against the run. He's not overly good against the pass rush, but he has a nice balance, and he does provide solid depth there on the defensive line for us. I like that pickup. Uh, I actually went with Jayon Brown. Uh, I was big on Jayon Brown out of UCLA. Um, obviously, that is who we ended up taking here. Uh, but no change for me. I was a big fan of his coverage ability. I thought it was something that we were lacking. Uh, you know, obviously not a compete, complete player, but it's rare that you do draft one in the fifth round anyway. So I thought this was a guy that would give us uh, something that we definitely didn't have, and that was coverage ability at the linebacker position. Yeah, overall, I'm happy with what Jayon Brown has given us so far in his NFL career. I hope he develops and becomes even better. But so far, I'm I'm satisfied with what he's doing or content, I guess that you could say. Never be satisfied, as Marcus Mariota says. In round six, I took Stacy Coley, wide receiver out of Miami, a guy who can contribute on special teams as a returner for us, return kickoffs, 
return punts, and also stretch the field if we ever need him to on offense. He was a he was a very fast wide receiver, very 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 raw in his route running, not consistent with his hands, but. This is mostly someone to uh, threaten the defense and to help us out on special teams. Great minds to like here because I also went with Stacey Cooley out of Miami. Um, he's a guy in Miami that set their all-time yards, receiving yards record. So he, he is raw, but the guy definitely played at a high level at a very good university. Very solid vertical threat that can play the slot position. I really liked Cooley here, and, and obviously you did too. I, I thought it would have been a really good pickup for us. Right, moving on to round seven, we have three picks in round seven. The first one, I'm taking Josh Carraway again. I couldn't believe he fell this far because, to be honest with you, I, I would I would have had considered him in five. I possibly would have grabbed him in six, depending on how I really wanted to build my team. This might have to do a little bit with hindsight because you really can't avoid that at this point. But if Josh Carraway is there in round seven, I'm running to the draft podium and I'm taking him fastball off the end. That's what John Robinson calls him. That's what I seen on his tape. He does. He did, or I don't know how he looks now, but at that point he did need to gain a little bit of weight for the NFL. But he was just so quick coming off the edge. He used his hands well. He played on either side, uh, and he could also play standing up or with a hand in the dirt. I actually went away from Josh Carraway here and went with Noah Brown, another wide receiver. This one out of Ohio State. I thought Brown would go in the fifth round. I thought he dropped a lot. A big physical wide receiver that plays big and, and physically. and uh, He has the ability to be, and he showed flashes of it in college, to be a very good red zone threat. I, I still would have wished we went with that. Brown hasn't gotten a lot of playing time yet, but I think he does have the potential to be a very good wide receiver at the next level. Um, and I thought he was really looked over. I thought he dropped a lot further than I expected him to. Yeah, I like Noah Brown coming out of college, too. They're early in the draft process. He was probably one of my top three or four receivers until the season kind of wore on. But I really liked his size and athleticism. I went with a wide receiver with our next pick in the in the seventh round. I took Malachi Dupree, a guy with a nice size-speed combo. But, again, very raw. Uh, just somebody who can compete for a roster spot. Maybe he can do something. Maybe he can't. But, Seventh round is really when you're just trying to see what you can make stick and see what you can get out of a guy. It absolutely is, and and I had the same thought process with this guy, and that was uh, Devontae Mays uh, running back out of Utah State. I thought Mays was the best of the seventh-round running backs. I still think he is. Uh, he's got a little bit of playing time with the Packers, um, but I liked his size-speed combination a lot more than I liked Kalfani Muhammad's no size and all speed combination. So I wanted a guy that was more complete running back. And obviously, you know, Kalfani not even on the team anymore kind of shows. Well, I'm just going to say I was right. <laughs> and maybe it's a better pick. <laughs> right. With Kalfani, I was kind of, with him, I mean, I didn't hate the pick by no means because it was a seventh-round pick. But I just didn't really feel like he had a, he had a spot in the NFL just because of his size unless he was just a, dynamic special teamer but with our last pick in the seventh round i took another uh, offensive lineman for depth i took cal fuller the uh center i really thought about going with fuller here um he was my first choice until i, I really thought about it for a little bit and i ended up going with chad kelly um the quarterback out of mississippi um, my reason being is that at this point we really don't have depth at, at quarterback it's still going to be an issue and I, I think kelly has a lot of upside his running ability 
is going to be an upside, obviously, kind of mirroring that of what Marcus does. He just doesn't have that point guard kind of mentality like Marcus does. And it's not like we have a lot of depth at, at quarterback at this point in time. You know, obviously in 2017, not now. So I ended up going with Chad Kelly here because I thought, yeah, worst case scenario, you know, he's just a, a, another um, practice squad guy that doesn't pan out. Best case scenario, he's your backup quarterback. Yeah, that's true. I, I thought I also considered Kelly, but then I also thought about all the off-field stuff as well. I put the I don't know if you have one or not, but I put on these notes that I have here in front of me, I put together a list at the bottom that says still here players who would still be here, people who would have been here that have never been here, and then the people who would have never been here. Do you have a list like that or you just want me to run through mine real quick? I don't, but I, I what I will do is I'll put it on our, our website and then uh so people can check it out when I put this show up. I'll put mine okay. up, so you can run through yours real quick. Okay, the people who would have still been here, and I don't think I mentioned this guy when I said my resize, but Philip Supernall would still be here, Carl Klug, David King, and Josh Carraway. Those are four guys, only four, who would have carried over in 2017 if I was John, if I was in John Robinson's spot instead of him. The new additions, players I would have added, would have been Micah Hyde, who have never been here, Alshon Jeffrey, Ricky Wagner, Brian Quick, John Bostick, Derek Barnett, Chris Godwin, Elijah Qualls, Stacey Coley, and David Sharp. The people who have been here who would have never been here include Taylor or Taywan Taylor, Johnu Smith, Corey Livin, Corey Davis, Brad Seaton, Eric Decker, Jonathan Cyprian, Sylvester Williams, Eric Weems, Brennan Trawick, Eric Walden, Brian Swanky, Mark Mariani, who was here before he came back. Brandon Whedon, Quentin Spain, and Adoree Jackson. So that's a long list of people who would have never been here. It definitely is. My list is probably somewhat similar to that in length. All right, but um, like I said earlier, this was 2017. We're going to do 2018 on Cody's show, Titan Town, uh, later this week or maybe next week. So definitely look forward to that as we continue this. What would the Tennessee Titans be like if we were J-Rob? And, and definitely let us know your thoughts on me and Cody's list. As he said earlier, you can find him at Mr. Milholland on Twitter. You can find me at the Ryan Moreland or find the show at TTU Podcast on Twitter. Cody, it's always a pleasure having you on, man. Thanks for hopping on. Yeah, man, it's been fun to be here. I can't wait to have you over on the YouTube channel again. You've been there before. It's a lot of, it's a lot of fun anytime time we get together and collab. But yeah, check us out on Twitter, check me out on YouTube, check me out on Facebook. Just I'm happy to hear any feed, any and all feedback. And like I said before, content is kind of hard to come up with this time of year. So get at me and let me know what you want to see. And if it's something I can do the research for and get it out for you, I definitely will. Absolutely. Definitely, definitely. So check, out, check that out. Be sure to check out uh, the 2016s on my show and on Cody's show, Titan Town, if you haven't already. And look forward to the one on Titan Town where we do 2018 and show what we would have done different. Uh, thanks to everybody who makes this show possible. Uh, thanks to our sponsor, Audible, uh, who's helping out with this show. Check us out on Patreon. Check us out on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, everywhere where you can find podcasts. And as always, <laughs> tighten up. Yeah. Uh. Tone, the podcast, it's the livest. Every week we talking about them Tennessee Titans. Better tune in, it's the podcast you want. Hosted by my big homie, Ryan Moreland. Mar-
Mariota throwing bombs he don't ever miss. Malcolm Butler hold it down with the pick six. Talking stats and plays, what's happening? Derrick Henry, Dory Jackson, this where we get it cracking. Yeah, Tennessee Titans podcast. Two-tone, ayy. Tune in.